and welcome to Scare You to Sleep. I'm your host, Shelby Scott. How are you doing? I really hope you're having a lovely week. I know I am. But if you're not, well, then let's go on another little journey into a horrific world together, of course, to finish off the last half of this two-parter by Heinrich von Wolfcastle. Very quickly before we jump in, I did want to let you all know that this week I was a guest on the podcast Film History, The History of Film, where we discuss the infamous Nosferatu. The episode is available now wherever you get your podcasts, and I'll have a link to those in the, to that in the show notes. Um, I played the trailer for that podcast last week, I believe, before the show. So um, if you wanted to check out kind of an idea of what it is, go check out that trailer. Now, last week on Things in the Attic, we left off in a school bathroom. If you haven't listened to the first part, I recommend you go back to last week's episode first before you find out Dear Ashley's Fate. Here we go. Ashley buried her face into her open hands and continued to cry, feeling a blend of hopelessness and helplessness. It's not like she could tell the school nurse about her problem. She couldn't call the police about a malevolent spirit. Her friends would think she should be institutionalized. The only person who might have listened to her would have been her grandmother. And she was dead. In a moment of clarity, Ashley brought her phone out again and went back to the website where she learned how to scry. She left a post about her situation and the haggard woman who was following her. She could only hope someone might know what to do about it. By the time she finished posting on the site, she had calmed down enough to feel more like herself. The next step was to leave the bathroom without looking in the mirror. When she felt like enough time had gone by for her face not to appear puffy or her eyes like they had been crying, she opened the door to the stall with her chin down to her chest. She made a hard left for the bathroom door, feeling the judgment of the mirror watching her, condemning her. Upon leaving the bathroom, Ashley failed to think of a reason to return to class. She stood in the hallway far away from any dark classroom windows, and considered ideas for where to go and what to do next. She had never ditched class or school before, but if she were ever going to, this would be the time. Attendance had already been taken, and the bell for the next class would ring any second. She made her way to the exit by the art hallway. The door didn't have an alarm, and there wouldn't be any staff watching the hall. As she pushed the door open, she walked out into the parking lot with a quick glance over her shoulder. It was the first time that she could reasonably get into trouble for doing something wrong at school. There was a time she got a detention for carrying an open yogurt container out of the cafeteria, but she didn't think that counted. Even her parents laughed about that. Once she made it to the parking lot, she started to pick up her pace. It was doubtful anyone was monitoring the lot, but 
For as long as the school could make an extra dollar ticketing students with expired parking passes, they absolutely would. And should they find a runaway student, they would find a way to find her too. I would make for a good delinquent student, she considered. After clearing the parking lot and school property, Ashley jogged across the street and started walking towards the town's library. It seemed as good of a place as any to find out what was following her and what might happen to her. The street seemed infinitely longer having to walk it than it ever felt as a passenger in a car. By walking, she was seeing things that she never noticed from the car. The types of trees, the condition of the houses on the street, even some small shops that she never really knew existed before. It was like she acquired a pass to enter a secret world, the lives that exist outside of a high school in the early afternoon. As she made her way down the street, she came across a white shack with a neon psychic sign in the window. There were no cars in the small driveway for the place, which was likely an old house that someone turned over into their psychic headquarters. Normally, Ashley wouldn't waste her time or money on a psychic, but she was uncovering new worlds, new beliefs, and if anyone might understand what she was going through, it might be a psychic. Then again, the type of people who ticket students at school or buy new suits with the money from the collection plate at church, which was a well-known transaction at her parents' church, might also be the kind of people who run a psychic shop. Ashley followed the walkway to the door of the house, noting how average it all appeared despite its rundown condition. And what did you expect? Fairies in the garden? As soon as she opened the door, she was taken aback by the smell of burning sage. What must have once been a foyer was now a small shop. A long glass counter stood before her. A cash register sat to the right, and to the left was a small old TV with crooked antennas playing some black-and-white horror movie from the 50s. The glass case itself held various statues, crystals, stones, and herbal items, some labeled for strengthening communication with guiding angels, and others labeled to enhance one's libido. A threadbare tapestry hung from the wall behind the counter, its colors contrasting the worn blue carpeting. Ashley followed the foot trail on the carpet to a room on the right. So far, there were no mirrors, and she was glad for that. The next room over was illuminated by tacky green and purple lights lining the ceiling, the kind that go on sale around Halloween time. A woman sat in a large chair at a round table covered in a red cloth. She pulled her dark hair back and locked it behind her ear. Hello, child. Please come in. The woman welcomed with a smile, motioning to the open seat. It was a peculiar greeting, Ashley thought, but it fit in line with what she expected. Whether the spectacle was real or show, though, well... That was yet to be determined. Hi, Ashley returned timidly. Don't be afraid, darling. I don't bite, the woman said with a grin, revealing a handful of gold-plated teeth. 
She had some kind of accent that Ashley couldn't place. A poor impression of something Romanian, perhaps. I've... I've never really done this before. Ashley acknowledged. She stared at the gray streak in the lady's long and wavy black hair. She was having a difficult time deciding if the woman was in her late twenties or her early sixties, or perhaps somewhere in between. That's okay, dear. Do you want a tarot reading? The woman asked. I don't know. I... Ashley trailed off. You want the palm reading? The lady continued. No. Ashley started. I think I have something bad following me. Something bad? The lady raised her eyebrows with intrigue. Tell me. Ashley started from the beginning. Not just the night in the attic, but the whole thing. She talked about how close she was with her grandmother. She retold some of their inside jokes and recounted their long talks over the phone. And then she talked about the surprise of finding out that she had passed away in her sleep. The shock was still there for her, even if everyone else saw it coming for months. Her grandmother's hands had started to shake harder, and her memory began to have more bad days than good ones. But that didn't make it any easier. Ashley just needed to talk to her one last time. Just one last time to tell her that she loved her, and one last time to tell her that she would miss her. The truth of it was that she couldn't remember how she ended her last phone call with her. And too many days went by between the phone call and the visit that came before it. The real truth of it was that she didn't show her grandmother how much she loved her in her last weeks, maybe even months. It was just too much. Your grandmother was special for you, the lady responded. The corners of her eyes shined back at Ashley. Very special woman, she nodded. And I got so desperate to talk to her again that... I did something stupid, Ashley confessed. She went on about the night in the attic, the research that went into learning how to communicate with the dead, finding an item that belonged to the person, which also happened to be a mirror, and waiting for a rainstorm so that the electrons in the air vibrated at a frequency conducive for making contact between parallel planes. The psychic interrupted her with laughter. <laughs> you try too hard! She exclaimed. Your grandmother, she sees you, hears you. She paused. Just talk to her. She listens. But how do I know? Ashley asked. How do I know that she hears me? You try too hard. The lady exclaimed again with a warm smile. She hears you. You can't hear her because you don't accept that she has moved on. But, Ashley started. Listen, the psychic instructed. Your grandmother moved on. No heaven, no hell, but she moved on. Why isn't she in heaven? Ashley asked. 
No heaven. Just afterlife, she responded. What about hell? Ashley asked. No hell, the lady responded. All spirits go to the afterlife. Some spirits are lost and take longer to find it, but your grandmother is not lost. Then, what is this thing following me? This old woman, you don't understand. Ashley's lips started to quiver. She reached into her pocket to take out her cell phone. Look, do you have a mirror? I'll show you. No mirror, the lady replied and put her hand over Ashley's. No pictures, she continued. Ignore it. Ignore it? Ashley asked. How can I ignore it? The woman repeated. She leaned back with folded arms. Ignore it, ignore it, ignore it. Can she hurt me? Ashley asked. Not yet. She paused, looking at her hands for words. Lost spirits are weak. They are around us all of the time. They cannot hurt you if you ignore them. Ashley started to smile for the first time in days. She longed to go home and to go back to school tomorrow, and she was ready to give up her burden of fear. She imagined that when she got home, her parents would still be at work. A note might be left on the kitchen table in her dad's handwriting, cautioning her that the storm had knocked out the power in the neighborhood. So don't leave the fridge open for longer than necessary, it would say. Instead of heading off to her bedroom to start her homework, she would sit in the kitchen for a while, noticing the sun going down earlier than it did the week or even days before. She would contemplate that summer had officially ended when school started, but that the way the leaves piled up in the windowsill was the real marker for the end of summer. She would think about how she hadn't even noticed the trees changing color this year, and it was like One day, she was swimming in Val's backyard, and the next, she was hanging her collection of hoodies in her closet to prepare for fall. The rest of the late afternoon and early evening would be unremarkable. Her parents would come home, bringing a rotisserie chicken with them. After dinner, her father would reset all the clocks in the house with the power back on, and he'd set his turntable to play a series of 50s doo-wop hits that would go on into the night. Meanwhile, her mother would spend the night reading in the kitchen, and as for herself, she would spend the night avoiding all of the mirrors in the house. Just ignore it, she would repeat out loud. Her bathroom was the one in the upstairs hallway, just across from her bedroom and approximately six walking-paced footsteps from the entrance to the attic. She measured it. She had been to a variety of bathrooms since the previous night, but she found she could avoid looking in the mirror by keeping her gaze fixed on things at the side of the room. A window, a towel rack, a tacky piece of bathroom art. And she would do that tonight too. 
She imagined herself standing at the entrance of the bathroom and reaching her arm inside to turn on the lights. Even if she could ignore it, there was no way she would go into the bathroom if the lights were not working. She would find a way to go in a bottle if she had to, but no bathrooms without lights. But the lights would work, so she would walk into the bathroom, her footsteps syncopated with the 50s bass lines playing downstairs, and her eyes fixed on the towel rack above the toilet. She would reach her hands into the sink with her head turned to the right, reassuring herself that if she were to turn towards the mirror, there would be nothing there but her own reflection. Ignore it. Keeping her head still, she would glance at the mirror out of the corner of her eyes and see the side of her face. And it would be her face. All right, Ash, let's chill out, she would whisper to herself. She would turn her head to face the mirror and find herself greeted by her own reflection. She would let out a sigh of relief and a small chuckle timed perfectly with someone's whoa from her father's stereo. In this daydream, she would be reminded of her wash-up routine as a little girl, back when her grandmother would stay over at her parents' house for the holidays. Even then, her father's old music would maneuver its way upstairs and into the bathroom. She remembered the way she would glance at herself in the bathroom mirror, fiddling with her hair, red bows working overtime to hold two ponytails in place, while she bounced her knees and sang along to cheesy love songs. She would remember the way she used to take a drop of soap between her palms and a splash of warm water from the running faucet and press her hands together before drawing them apart. She would remember the diamond between her thumbs and index fingers, showing a rainbow of soap colors, and how she would blow a kiss at the diamond as she brought her hands back together, leaving a soap bubble of her kiss to fly through the air. She would remember how she used to hear her grandmother laugh from the doorway, that hearty, unrestrained, contagious laugh that Ashley loved so much. She would chuckle just thinking about it, and she would bring her hands together the way she did as a little girl, making another soap diamond, and blow a kiss in it, and send it into the air. It would fly from her hands and through the doorway to the hall, hovering in the air for just seconds before popping, where it once landed on her grandmother's cheek. But the psychic went on. If you pay attention to them, they grow strong. Ashley shook her head and knocked the daydream from her mind. So how do I know how strong or weak she is? I've been paying a lot of attention to her. Ashley exclaimed. I want to stop her so that she can't come after me, Ashley said. The psychic let out a sigh and leaned forward before continuing. <sighs> she will not go away. Death is around you. But you cannot fight it. Or you give a microphone to a whisper. The woman waited for her words to register on Ashley's face. You are sad. So, okay, be sad. 
She shrugged. You think about death too much. You are alive. Be alive until you no longer are. Ashley looked at her, scanning the woman's face for understanding. There was a gentleness in her eyes. You do believe me, don't you? Ashley asked. I do. You contacted the dead, no doubt. But they feed on the energy you spend on them. So no more feeding. No more fighting. Ashley looked down at her phone. She wanted to delete all the selfies she took at school, but she also didn't want to see the pictures anymore. She took her phone out and handed it to the psychic. Here, I took some photos of her and I don't want to see them. Can you delete them for me? They're just the last three pictures I took. The psychic took the phone from Ashley and opened up the camera. She moved matter-of-factly, swiping her fingers across the phone. First she deleted one picture, and then the next. But when she came to the third picture, she froze. She dropped the phone onto the table and pushed her chair back with her air stuck in her throat. What's wrong? Ashley asked. The psychic shook her head slowly with her eyes wide open, gradually moving her head faster and faster. No, she said. What is it? What's wrong? Ashley asked again. She reached across the table for the phone as the psychic continued to push her chair backwards into the corner of the room. You must go, the psychic commanded. What is it? What happened? Ashley grabbed the phone and saw the same horrid picture as before. She was pressed against the toilet, leaning away from the camera with her face hidden into her left arm. Opposite her arm, she saw the side of the haggard old woman's face, her hair tasseled and hanging in all directions over herself and Ashley, her long and burning tongue reaching out of her open mouth and chasing Ashley's forehead. I cannot help you. I am sorry. You must go, the psychic repeated. Go, she said again, louder. But what's wrong? What did I do? Ashley asked, pleading with the psychic for guidance. There is nothing you can do. You should not have contacted the dead. She has found you, and you must go. The psychic repeated again. Who? Who is she? Ashley asked, begging again for an answer. She is a Marika, a hag. The psychic shrieked. A hag? Ashley yelled in return. Yes, she is a very sad and angry spirit. The psychic let out a shriek before beginning to cry. Oh, she is speaking to me. What does she want? Ashley asked again, between her own choked sobs. She is... She is yelling at me. She is so angry, so hurt, so afraid. Why me? What did I do? Ashley asked. She wants your life, your breath. The psychic replied. 
She believes she can return to life through you. But why me? Ashley shrieked again. She found her way to this world through you. She heeded your call. Ashley ran out of the psychic's house, screaming, and she continued to scream at the top of her lungs as she ran home. Her feet tripped over themselves as she sprinted, passing the reflections of windows and houses and storefronts. She saw the hag, not behind her or near her, but in the reflections themselves. In one window, she was a face hiding in the shadows her hair flailing around in the wind. In another window, she was an arm reaching through the reflection, grasping for Ashley. In other reflections, she watched Ashley, opening and closing her mouth after her, as if she might somehow bite her through a window. Ashley continued to make her way home, hoping to arrive before her parents. She ran through backyards and dodged cars that drove past her. Not for the danger of them striking her, but for the haggard woman who sat within every window of every passing vehicle. Once she made it home, she had a plan. It was a wild one and perhaps her only chance for survival. But no matter what, she would not ignore it. There was no way she was living with this thing following her forever. If this hag wanted her life, she would have to take it. It all started with her grandmother's mirror, and perhaps it could end there, too. Ashley threw open the front door of her house and launched her book bag to the couch and made her way to the garage. She glanced at the reflection in the family room TV as she made her way, noticing the woman's steady gaze. A shiver ran down Ashley's spine. In the garage, she took her father's hammer from his toolbox and marched upstairs to the attic. There was no hesitation in her step, and her plan might only work if she never stopped to consider its recklessness. Upon reaching the attic, she pulled the ladder down, ignoring its groan and protest. She made her way through the ceiling and crouched on a plywood board. The light from outside was dim, but it was enough to find the pristine, cloth-covered mountain she was looking for. She presumed she was safe so long as it was covered. She would have to thank her dad for doing that. She crawled across the cracked plywood boards, swiping at nails, knocking them from her path. A series of low whispers called to her from behind the cloth. If what the psychic had explained to her was true, the hag was harmless when she first met her, because she wasn't strong enough to do anything other than get close to her. But by now, she might be an actual force to be reckoned with. Ashley approached the mirror with her hammer in hand. She reached up and brought it down over the cloth-covered surface, striking it again and again and again, each swing producing a muffled sound of cracking and shattering glass. And just like that... It was done. Ashley reached for the cloth and tore it from the mirror, ready to strike once more. Alas, 
the mirror was empty, except for several shards of glass hanging in place. There was no woman, no reflection, except for one of herself, kneeling on the attic floor, with the hammer pulsing in her hand. Ashley took a deep breath and let it out with a sigh of relief. With the hammer still in hand, she reached forward and knocked the last remaining shards of glass to the attic floor. She would have to explain the destruction to her parents as an accident, but even the idea of being grounded for such a thing seemed funny to her, like yogurt in the hallway. She would take the punishment in stride. She turned around to crawl towards the ladder. When she was stopped dead in her tracks, the old and haggard woman was full-bodied in a black dress that started and ended in shadows. Her long and twisted hair raised from her head and danced in the air like smoke. Ashley screamed with the remaining scratched voice she had left and fell backwards into the mirror. The old, haggard woman crept steadily towards her, moving and creaking the floorboards as she hobbled on thin, bony legs from beneath her dress. Her arms protruded from her center, her long, misshapen fingers reaching for Ashley. They made their way to Ashley's neck, holding her in place. Ashley shook her head from side to side, crying to herself in silence. She laid on the ground, choking, as the hag brought her face to Ashley's ear, whispering her insanity at her. There were no coherent words, just a sensation of numbing as if her brain were catching some kind of frostbite. The hag slithered her tongue at Ashley, inserting it into her mouth and down her throat. Ashley gagged and choked as it made its way down into her. Her arms and legs wriggled and writhed, but nothing she did could stop the hag from taking her life. She believed this was death and she wrestled her way through the timeless blackness. But eventually, the fight left her, and she lay still, with a hag's frostbite gnawing at her brain. This is death, Ashley thought. That is, until she opened her eyes, and found that she was not dead at all. Rather, she was gazing into the attic from behind a cracked and clouded glass veil. She was inside the mirror, and everything before her was backwards from the way she remembered it. Ashley saw the hag seated in front of her, but she looked different now, changed in some way. She was devolving, growing youthful. Her face's contours shifted over themselves the way they did when Ashley first stared into the mirror to contact the dead. 
The hag maintained her unwavering eye contact with Ashley as she grew younger, her skin becoming taut, soft, and smooth, until finally, Ashley saw a mere image of herself. Ashley watched as she saw the hag, this other self, raise her hands to her face, feeling her cheeks and mouth and neck. Ashley's own arms mimic the movements, as if compelled by an imaginary puppeteer to do exactly as the hag did. Her mirrored image twirled in a circle, and so did she. Ashley's father called to her, to them, from downstairs. Ash, honey, dinner time. Come to the kitchen like a good girl. The bass line of a doo-wop song followed in the wake of his voice. She wished to call back, to scream to him for help. But instead, her mouth followed the movements of this other version of herself. Be right down in a second, Dad. She heard herself yell. That's my girl. He returned. Ashley found herself dancing to her father's music bobbing her shoulders and swaying like a body possessed, in coordination with her other self on the opposite side of the reflective veil. She picked up what appeared to be a small shard of glass and gently placed it in the center of her grandmother's cheval mirror. Just like new, the hag said, admiring her cracked and pieced together reflection. She leaned forward to kiss Ashley's lips on the other side of the fractured mirror. Ashley returned the kiss and was made to smile in return. Love you, Dad. She heard herself call downstairs, her lips tracing the hag's words. The hag reached down and Ashley followed to pick up the white cloth on the ground. Ashley watched on and helplessly placed the cloth on her side of the mirror, matching the perverted copy of herself. The white cloth fell over the mirror and Ashley's sight was covered in darkness. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much to Heinrich von Wolfcastle for another great story. Again, Heinrich wrote also wrote Marvin's Tavern, which was another big story. This one was fantastic. I loved Things in the Attic. I thought it was so much fun. I, that's why I really wanted to break it up into two parts. I thought it deserved two whole weeks dedicated to this. I don't know. It was just such a great, creepy, <laughs> creepy ass story. I was actually taking a bath a few days ago and I sat up and in the reflection of the faucet, I thought I saw someone like standing behind me, like to the side of the bathtub. I, 
Oh my God. This story has me just so paranoid about looking into any sort of reflective surfaces, <laughs> including faucets. So I hope that it did the same to you. Uh, not to wish, you know, paranoia and horror on you, but that's my job. Um, all right. Well, go uh, follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, you know, all the usual places. Again, the show will be available. I just want to keep putting this out there um, so you're all aware. The show will be available everywhere on all platforms starting after September 30th. I don't have an exact date of when it'll be everywhere again, um, because some platforms like Apple tend to take a little while to get back on their platform because they vet everybody. So I'm not going to say it will be like on September 30th, but after that, I will be available to start getting back on all those platforms. So probably within a week or two after September 30th, before Halloween, I'll be back on all platforms again. Um, I will be so happy to see all of you. I will be starting the Patreon back up again. And I have a lot of other tricks up my sleeve for this fall. I'm so excited. Um, I think that's all. I'm going to let you go. I have an appointment in the morning and it is... 107 a.m. So I need to hit the hay or at least attempt to because I have become someone who is up until 4:30 in the morning every morning. It's <laughs> my body is so out of whack. I had a meeting this week at 7 a.m. because in the podcast world, you know, you're meeting with people from all different places and I did not do my due diligence and read the the print in the email where they clearly said Eastern time and I said yes. 10 a.m. would be perfectly fine. And it was 10 a.m. New York time. So <laughs> my body has no idea what time it is ever. Um, shout out to my third shift workers out there. I, I, I feel a teeny tiny, tiny bit of what you probably go through. Um, okay. But I've done it to myself and it's not nearly as noble as what you do. <laughs> so um, all right, I'm going to go. I love you. Go drink your water, please. It's been very hot. It's so hot. I just got back from the desert. I was in the desert for a week. And when you move away from the desert, sometimes you forget the actual power of the desert and how sometimes when you stand outside at midnight, it's still a hundred degrees and it feels like you're standing because there's no sun rays beating down on you. So it just feels like you're standing in a furnace. Anyway, I drank lots of water last week and I'm continuing to do so this week. So you should do the same. It is not quite fall yet, unfortunately. Um, all right, go get some sleep. Sweet dreams.